for joining us for worship. We've been in a series um, about encountering Jesus, looking at the Gospels. We embarked on a New Testament reading plan as a church. You take five minutes a day, five days a week, and if you read one chapter a day uh, for five days a week, you'll finish the New Testament in a year. So we've got copies of those plans in the back. And so Al started the year off with a preaching series looking at just the life of Jesus and the way he encountered people. And so we've been looking at a lot of different themes in the Gospels. You can go find those messages online. And this morning, we're going to look at encountering the heart of Jesus. Encountering the heart of Jesus. Full disclosure, did not title it that because of Valentine's Day. I'm sorry uh, that I didn't pick up on the theme until this morning. And I thought, hey, that, that works for everyone who wants that. Um, for everyone who wants that theme to, to work through. So encountering the heart of Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 28 to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. If you have a copy of God's word, turn there, click there, scroll there, and read with me what it says. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Jesus, as we encounter you thousands of years later, through the words we believe you really did speak, and you really did inspire, and you really do tell us can give us life today in the year 2021. We encounter you through those words. Please help us to believe what you say here. Because if we do, it will change everything about the way we live. But if we don't believe what you say here, then we'll come and we'll check a box that we came to church today and our lives will be no different. Our hearts will be no different. Our burdens will be no different. But Jesus, if we take you at your word in these verses, and everything changes, so please give us faith this morning. Open up our eyes to see you as you really are. Open up our hearts that we might really receive you. In Jesus' name, amen. So how do you suppose God views you? I'm not, I'm not asking the question that maybe you grew up hearing like I did, what happens if you die and you're standing at the gates of heaven and God says, why should I let you in? That, that's not what I'm talking about. Because I think you might have two different answers. Like maybe you answer yes to the, am I going to heaven when I die question? Why? Well, because Jesus, I put my faith in Jesus. He died for my sins. But, but that's not really what I'm asking this morning. Like how does God view you right now? How does God view you right now? When he looks at you, when he thinks of you, what does he think? What does God think? Now, you may, maybe you're not a Christian, and you think, you know what, I don't even believe in God, so this question doesn't even apply to me. Well, even if you don't believe in God, based on what you know about Christianity, based on what you know about the church, how do you think God views you? How do you think God views you? And then what do you think God requires of you? I think for me, maybe for you, you might have some pretty weighty answers to both of those. Maybe God is 
not pleased with you. Maybe God requires a lot of you. I'm thinking about Matthew 23, verse 4, where the religious folks of Jesus' day, quote, tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. So the religious leaders, Jesus is giving the woes to the scribes and Pharisees, the people that were meant to lead people into spiritual maturity and health. Rather than doing that, it says that they would tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they'd put them on people's shoulders. So how do you think the religious people of Jesus' day felt that God viewed them? Because the people that were meant to speak for God would speak things that were very heavy to them, that were burdensome for them, and that no one could carry. That's what the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers and the law keepers would tell to normal everyday people, this is what God really requires of you if you're going to know him, if you're going to walk with him, you got to carry these heavy burdens and follow these unbelievably long list of rules that we'll continue to add to The scales will never tip in your favor. Here's burdens that are impossible. Now carry these if God's really going to like you. That's how they looked at it in Jesus' day. Matthew 23, that's what Jesus said. That's his condemnation to the religious folk. But what about today? How do you suppose God views you today? And then what does our text have to say about that? let's, Let's dive right into the text. It begins with an invitation. Now, we could talk a lot about the context of where this falls, even just going back to verse 25. There's a lot of really rich, great context there. You get insights into the Trinity. It's a really simple concept if you've never heard of it. I'm just kidding. It's not. We've talked about the Trinity a lot at Shalford because it's really important. And Jesus is talking about that the wise and understanding of this age, of this world, it seems like the things of God are hidden from them. But God has revealed the things of God and of heaven to little children. Jesus is saying, if you're going to really understand me, you've got to humble yourselves. And then in verse 28 comes our passage for today. And Jesus gives an invitation. Come to me. And notice who his invitation is for. All who labor and are heavy laden. You notice that invitation to those who labor? Who are those who labor? I wrote down, it's the weary workers. It's those who are, who are laboring, uh, maybe not just physically, but spiritually or emotionally. Those who, those who are trying really hard. And he says the heavy laden. Now, this is one of those, I, I pick on this when we get to places in the Bible that use words that... You just want to sit down in those Bible translation committees with all those brilliant PhDs and like you need like five average Joes to say, you can't use that word. Nobody knows what it means. What's the word laden? Laden, really, laden. Okay, laden is like you're putting a burden on something. You're laying something heavy on something else or on someone else. So the... The heavy laden, those are the weary and the weighed down. I mean, weighed down, I'm thinking about something outside of yourself. Like maybe your circumstances, your situation in life, your suffering. You're you're heavy, you're carrying a heavy burden. Do you notice who Jesus invites to come to him? 
those who labor and the heavy laden. Now, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus' invitation. These two qualifications are universal experiences. Every single person who's ever walked the face of the earth has experienced both of these or will experience both of these numerous times in your life. You cannot escape life without experiencing heavy labor and heavy burdens. So what are some of those in our lives? What are some of those things in our lives that are laborious, that are, that are heavy, that you're carrying? You know, the first thing I, I thought of this morning, maybe my family situation brought me here, but it, it's, uh, it's mothers. You know, good things can be burdensome things too, right? I mean, good things can be exhausting things, Right? I mean, being a mother is exhausting. We had a conversation this week that was like, you know, I don't get a time to think, right? Like, you know, I don't have a, a moment to think for myself. Just, just so you're clear. All right, I'm clear. I understand. You know, it was not a pre-Valentine's Day pep talk of what's deserved today, but it did help prime the pump a little. Because being a mother is a, I mean, labor and heavy laden, I, I really can't off the top of my head think of something else that fits both of those so perfectly. It's being a mother. You don't have a single moment to yourself to think, much less get something done. What about work for you? I mean, maybe that's something you labor in and feel like you're going nowhere. Maybe your job is just absolutely miserable and you wonder, oh Lord, how long will you leave me here? Maybe your finances, and, and maybe there's just crushing debt in your life that you think, this is, I, there's no way I could carry this. But maybe it's something inside, and it's not just a tangible thing, like uh, being a mother, or work, or parenting, or uh, finances and debt. Uh, maybe it's a, it's a marriage you, you really wish you could quit. Maybe, maybe the heavy burden in your life <clears throat> is trying to measure up to the person you've promised other people you really are. Right? Let me say that again. Trying to measure up to the person you've told other people you really are. So like you, you've put on this identity facade. Like this is who I, I'm going to try to be this kind of person. Lynn and I have shorthand, the curated life. That's, that's the shorthand for social media. It's the curated, I can curate everything else out of my life except for what I want you to think I am. But then you know what is absolutely exhausting and burdensome? Feeling like you have to live up to that. That's a, that is a burden and maybe that's crushing you. And you're feeling this pull between who you are publicly and who you think people think you are and then who you really are. That, that's, that's burdensome. You know, any identity we try to create for ourselves is actually exhausting to define and to manage. That includes the identity of mother. I mean, there are, there are some, you idolize being a mom. You idolize being a father. If you try to create identity for yourself, it's going to be exhausting. This is who I am. It's going to be exhausting to feel like you've measured up to that identity. The identity of being successful. What happens when you fail? If your identity is being successful, what happens when failure, which it will, comes into your life? Then not just you failed, but your very identity is threatened. Or wealthy. 
Maybe your identity is, you know what, I, I, I will be a wealthy person. I will be a fun person. And you try to create an identity for yourself, that's exhausting. When we think identity must come from inside us. Maybe, maybe the thing that's exhausting you, burdening you, that you're laboring over this morning, is just managing your sin. Maybe you really know Jesus and there's just this sin in your life. Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's everything. And you're just so like, you're playing whack-a-mole trying to get these things to stop. If only I could stop doing these things, maybe I'd feel a little better about myself. But I'm just burdened with the fact that I just, Romans 7, I'm saying with Paul, I hate the things I do. And the things I hate, it seems like those are the very things I do over and over and over. Look, the point is that there's so many things that you could be burdened with this morning. What, what are yours? What are, your, what are the things? I can't answer that for you. I mean, we could do examples. We could spend the rest of our time together doing examples. But, but the reality is when we read this text, God is looking at you. And he's inviting you, but only you can fill in the blank on what you're laboring over and what is burdening you this morning. So I'd actually like to invite us this morning to take just a second in an attitude of prayer and think about that. And so if it'll help, I mean, let's close our eyes and pray right here in the middle of the sermon. Because if, if, you, if we continue on in this message under the illusion that I have labors in general, I have burdens in general, then Jesus will save you in general. But if you can get specific about the things that are tearing you down, exhausting you, then the freedom Jesus brings will be that specific in your life. So let's take just a minute and pray about this. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. Let's pray. Father, would you give us insight as we take just a moment of silence to consider what it is in our life that we're laboring over, what it is in our life that's laden on our, the burden we're carrying, the, the thing that's weighing us down. Would you give us insight, God? Just ask God this morning. God, give me insight. Help me know myself. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, what's interesting is considering the things that, just that phrase, all who labor and are heavy laden, we have some misconceptions about God that tell us with anything that's negative in me, sin, suffering, right? Like we have this relational phrase we use, baggage. Like I've got all sorts of baggage I bring to my relationship with God. And we have these conceptions of God that tell us that God's like frustrated with those and he's annoyed. He kind of cringes when he sees things in us. And this goes back to the question I asked at the very beginning, how does God view you? I think most of us probably think there are things in our life that causes God to pull back a little bit, like, like, a, like a little kid touching like a frog for the first time. Like, I don't, like am I, is that going to be okay? Like we have these conceptions of God that he's demanding and he's cold and he's harsh, but here we put it in this great Bible language of like holy. He's holy. He is holy. 
he absolutely is holy, but not in the kind of way that makes him cringe back from us. But that, that's how we just view God because in everything in life, we have this separation between the wealthy and the poor, the beautiful and the ugly. And we think everything ought to be separated like that because, you know, it's like, well, why would that person ever associate with this? Why would the high ever associate with the lowly? Why would this wealthy person ever move into that kind of neighborhood? Why? No, those don't go together. We, we come in our relationship with God and we're like, hey, no, there's this like, like, yeah, I recognize there's sin in my life. There's things that I, I labor and I'm heavy laden. There's things in me that, you know what? If I were to really describe how God tolerates me or how God views me, maybe I'd say it like this. God tolerates me. Maybe tolerate is a, is a word that's appropriate there. But what Jesus is trying to do is to look to the lowest of the low. When you read the gospels, I hope you see this. Look to the lowest of the low, the furthest outcasts of society in his day. And he's trying to touch them physically, call them by name, invite them into his following. I mean, he's doing everything he can to associate with them. So our misconceptions of God are are actually the opposite of what Jesus is doing all throughout the Gospels. But here's the good news. If Jesus is offering an invitation to all who labor and are heavy laden, but we have this thing in us that just can't believe that. It's this universal problem that we all experience things that are laboring and, and heavy laden, that are burdensome in our life. The same thing that we think disqualifies us from, from God drawing near actually qualifies us to draw near to Jesus. And, and I hope that's freeing for you this morning. The thing in your life that you think might be disqualifying you from a close relationship with God. The thing in your life that you think God cringes at. The thing in your life that you think God, God pulls back and goes, hey, I, you got to figure that out. You're going to have to get that straightened before I'm, I'm fully in your life. That very thing that you think builds, rebuilds, and rebuilds again and again a wall between you and God. That very thing is the thing that qualifies you to come to Jesus exactly how you are. Jesus says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Of all the places we have Jesus speaking, one place and one place only does he say, this is what my heart is like. And it's this verse. Nowhere else. Nowhere else does he say, this is what my heart is like. So while our misconceptions of God tell us that he may be frustrated, he may tolerate us, he may be annoyed at the fact that we mess up over and over and over, he may cringe at some of our rather dirty sins, that he, he's demanding of us that we fix ourselves, he's cold and harsh when we continually mess up over and over, while our misconceptions of God might tell us that, he is actually gentle and lowly. He's gentle, which means he's understanding. One author said that he, he's, his posture is more open arms rather than pointed finger. And he's lowly, which means he's accessible. I've talked before about Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen. It talks about God, the high and holy one who inhabits eternity. He dwells in two places. And it says the first one is he dwells in the high and the holy place. And I always like to joke that I don't know what option two is, but it's my only chance because I'm not option one. I can't do that. I can't do that high and holy place. But Isaiah 57, 15 says that the other place that he dwells is with the lowly and contrite to revive the lowly. I have hope to be there. 
Jesus doesn't cringe at your lowliness. He's lowly. He stoops down to where you are at your level so that he can be accessible to you. God has used all of this message in my life over the last year or so as I read a book called Gentle and Lowly that starts off talking about this very passage and then goes to look at 20 other verses in the Bible about how this is who Jesus is. And I realized in my life that there are so many things that I think rebuild a wall between me and God. There are so many things that I think God is waiting on me to figure out before he's fully present, right? Like, I, I, I you just get in a funk. I, I get in a funk these last two or three weeks that just, it feels like I, I can't spend time with God. I try to read a Bible. I'm like, goodness, this is just like pulling teeth to read through the scripture, and, and much less try to focus your mind to really spend time praying. And then what happens after a few days of that is you go, okay, I'm going to have to like do, like God doesn't want to hear from me right now. How often have you thought like God doesn't want to hear from me right now? Like I just need to quit today and start over tomorrow because today is already shot and gone. But in reality, when you are the, you feel the furthest from God, that's when Jesus' heart is most drawn towards you. And that's why I prayed at the beginning that if we can really grasp what Jesus is saying in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, it will change everything about the way that we relate to Jesus. I think we would all raise our hand and say, yes, I am saved by grace. But I think we would all equally struggle to say that Jesus views me with a smile every day. That we submit again, like Paul says, to this yoke of slavery. Like we're still enslaved to the law to have to do certain things to measure up for God to love us. And that's the exact opposite of what Jesus is saying here. This invitation is for everyone. Come to me all. There, there is a qualification to come to Jesus. We just often get it wrong. The qualification is you, you've got to be laboring and you've got to be burdened. And then you've got to be humble enough to admit it. That's why he says you, you're only going to come to me like a child. There's the only people that are going to get the kingdom of heaven. Now, there is a qualification, right? That's the qualification. <laughs> you've got to admit how bad you are. Not that you've got to fix your badness. Not, not that you've got to fix your brokenness. Not that you've got to get some things straightened out or you've got to crowbar your life into some sort of like smooth looking, like this, this is who I am, like, hey, I've, I've got this under control. Now I can come to Jesus and somehow he's wrapping his arms around me now because he's glad he doesn't have to deal with the mess. Jesus says in, in Luke 19.10, I came to seek and save the lost. He came for your mess. He came for my mess. So bringing him anything other than mess is just turning your back on the very reason he came. So the invitation is not just to come to Jesus one time and say, save me so that when I die, I've got a much happier ending to this life. The point is you come to Jesus every single day. Say, Jesus, I can't do today without you. I can't, I can't do today without you. I've got no shot at doing today without you. I'm, I'm weary. I'm burdened. I'm beaten down by the same sins in my life, the same season of suffering that seems to never end, the same unhealthy relationship, the same job that I hate, the same struggles over and over. And you come to him and you say, Jesus, will, will you take that? And he answers, yes, absolutely. Come find rest in me. 
we asked earlier, what, what are those things that you would say are laboring, heavy laden in your life? But now at the end, I want to ask you a little bit different question. What are the things in your life that you think rebuild a wall between you and God? I'm not talking about like you think you really need to get saved again, right? Like, hey, Jesus saved me, but I've somehow lost that. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about fellowshipping with God. We say encountering God. What are the things that you think rebuild a wall between you or God? What are the things that you think causes God to pull back from you? I mean, what's coming to mind? Is it like an attitude? Is it, is it a sin in your life? What are the things in your life that you think break your fellowship with Jesus on a daily or weekly basis? Like if I do this, then the, the day is kind of ruined. I got to wait till tomorrow before I, I push back into him or I open the Bible again. I'd invite you to think about this question this week. What are those things that keep you from encountering God? Not because you're distracted, but because you think God's pulled back from you. The things that you think repel God. The good news is that none of those things actually repel him. They attract him to you. Our sinful, broken state attracted Jesus. Rather than repel him, it attracted him to leave heaven and come down to earth. And it attracts him to you personally. There is nothing that you can do to repel Jesus other than tell him you don't need him. In which case, he'll let you play that out as long as you want. Eternity even. But if you come to him humble like a child, willing to admit your mess and neediness, uh, he's there to welcome you, gentle and lowly. He's not a step above you. He's not one inch beyond you. He is right there with you, lowly and accessible, full of grace and love. And that's how he relates to you today. And so we're going to sing one more song in closing this morning. And as we sing it, the application for this message is simple. I want you to know that you can encounter God constantly and daily. As you receive his grace in the middle of your neediness, not in spite of it. Like God doesn't love you in spite of your neediness to say like, you know what? Gosh, I really wish you'd fix that. But yeah, I love you. You can receive fellowship and grace and love from God right in the middle of your neediness. So Jay's going to come up. We're going to sing. And during this last song, as you sing, I invite you to pray. What kind of neediness do you need to bring to Jesus this morning? What kind of neediness do you need to bring to the Jesus who really is gentle towards you? He's not going to smack your hand when you get there. He's going to bring you in. You're not going to find when you show up to your fellowship together that he has stood you up and he's actually somewhere else because he doesn't want to associate with you. No, he's accessible. He's lowly.
The invitation is this, come. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for inviting us to come. This is it's really hard to do because I, I just am so conditioned to think that I've got to have my life together. And I've got to fix the stuff in my life. And it's actually really hard to just receive being loved by someone. But I pray that this morning you would set some people free who have never considered that you're not waiting for us to be cleaned up. God, I pray that you'd release us to know you and to love you because you know us and love us. So as we sing, God, pour your grace in our hearts. And I pray that we would be reassured of your great grace for us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand up and sing. Feel free to come and pray. Pray in your seat. Let's receive the grace of Jesus.